book four chapter thirteen of the spy company a story of the mexican war by archibald clavering gunter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by john brandon book four miss godfrey's father chapter thirteen the coming of the superintendent the next morning all is bright again and that afternoon coming in from his office which is down on the road a couple of hundred yards away godfrey finds estrella in daughter's freedom in his chamber making his room more homelike gazing at his bed he gasps sheets certainly sheets laughs the young lady there was plenty of cotton cloth in the house and selma and i can sew besides i wanted sheets for myself she adds archly well i ain't seen sheets since i was at the tremont house galveston says her father you make me luxurious as a king daughter and he pats her on the head and makes her happy by calling her his good little girl so now come to her days happy in her father's companionship when as princess of the plantation she rides by jim godfrey's side over the great estate and strives to make his homely life less crude by a daughter's love and devotion in addition finding her father speak spanish she takes to learning that tongue and as quite a number of the people about the plantation jabber that language estrella soon becomes fluent in it after the mexican way which is rather different to the true castilian during this time the excitement of first meeting have passed the daughter begins to contemplate the father and finds him a man of strange weakness yet strange strength in appearance he is somewhat younger than she had expected very active and strong in person and very hard in his dealings with others though not to her to every one else on the plantation he is autocratic but to her he is always kindly in word and bearing though sometimes strangely diffident and bashful for a father in fact his weakness seems only to be for her and his absent superintendent upon this man from his remarks godfrey appears to lean especially in a business way when displeased by the backwardsness of work on the plantation he so often says if jasper was here things would be different that the daughter grows rather jealous of the absent mr jasper as the days run on everything and everybody seems to be turned to account milly the dining-room girl is put to chopping through cotton in the field and zelma who has but little to do as her mistress's wardrobe has not yet arrived from matagorda is placed in the dining-room pondering on this as estrella does at times when she is not by her father's side or riding with him on the plantation which is her great pleasure miss godfrey cannot understand how a man who has been so liberal to her in faraway new york grinds every ounce of muscle 
in the slave gangs of the cotton fields into money anyway she thinks this is not altogether dad's doings it is the arrangement of his superintendent who is down at matagorda the man upon whom he seems to be so dependent and to lean so much for she has heard de young boss and de hard driven massa jasper in the negro quarters these she visits often trying to make the existence of the toiling slaves more bearable by kindly sympathy at times demanding and getting from her father better food rations for them and once begging for them a half holiday as it is her birthday this strangely enough her father seems to have forgotten though when she mentions it to godfrey he cries effusively oh yes by jingo the fifteenth of april how could that have slipped my mind and gives the recreation to everyone on the plantation and quite humbly brings her this day a handsome jewelled locket of mexican workmanship saying it was your mother's and was concealed in the strong box with my money which fortunately escaped the fiends when the plantation was destroyed ah thank you dear dad cries the girl and kisses it then as godfrey notices that her fingers urged by woman's curiosity move over its golden surface trying to open it he laughs there ain't any inside to the thing i've tried it a hundred times myself the bauble's as solid as a nugget ah but there's a spring in its handle exclaims the young lady who is more used to jewelry than her parent see the mechanism is very stiff from disuse but she gives a little excited cry and her agile fingers force it open then she eagerly asks whose miniature is this she is looking at the face of someone painted on ivory who seems a very dim memory to her her father who has sprung to her apparently to aid her gives a start gazes at the locket then chokes a little and mutters you're your mother's brother i reckon didn't she ever speak of him a moment after he suggests best take it out and some day i'll have a picture made for you of your daddy and goes away to superintend a festival for her natal day having flowers and fruit brought in and sending out hunters to shoot wild turkeys another game yet two or three times during the festivities as her father glances at the locket she has hung about her white neck estrella imagines he half regrets the gift though he is more loving to her than ever and kisses her forehead which he has crowned with wild flowers and calls her his beautiful daughter in the next few days she inspects the picture in the locket during idle moments in her chamber yet the portrait continues only a dim memory to her she discovers in almost microscopic characters at its foot the name of amalfi 
presumably the artist who painted it but this brings no suggestion with it and finally the locket almost passes from her mind the girl having other and more important matters on her brain the chief of which is her father and captain hampton as to the first a great joy wells up in her heart hungry for his affection as at times she ponders of her father's hardness to others and his liberality to her for she concludes his open-handedness to her in new york must have been on account of his great devotion to her this is fortunate as soon after an incident arises that tests her love and makes the strain upon her obedience very heavy as the days have run on miss godfrey has several times spoken to her father with regard to the texan captain who had escorted her across the prairies once or twice suggesting that as san antonio is only forty miles away a note be sent to hampton asking him to visit their hacienda if he can find time from military preparation that she may thank him again these suggestions godfrey has generally put away with the remark that he is too busy for company and hasn't the time to entertain a military lounger at her repeated mention of hampton's name her father has looked at her sharply and seemed not over pleased at her enthusiastic gratitude to her protector of the prairies and once he has brought consternation on her by chuckling just hold your horses a little daughter soon there'll be a fine young fellow to ride around the plantation with you and do the polite she is so abashed at this she doesn't ask her father to whom he refers though she guesses finally one day a wagon arrives from matagorda bearing estrella's trunks you can thank jasper for your luggage laughs godfrey lord how he must have shoved things to get your belongings up over these muddy roads in this time besides at my suggestion he had a feminine side saddle sent from new orleans it's here also now you can ride woman fashion again i reckon that'll please you it does cries the girl who has already taken from one of her trunks her new york riding habit her indian prairie costume having grown rather worn by her plantation excursions the arrival of her baggage has made miss godfrey vivaciously happy so she longs to look well in her father's eyes she goes babbling on dad what will you think of me in this and crying tulle over white satin that will make you open your backwoods eyes you never saw your daughter in decollete parisian ball gown in your life did you papa yet in the very midst of her delight estrella's face grows agitated and miserable the driver of the wagon chancing to state that the news is that sam walker's and sharp hampton's companies of hay's regiment of rangers are already mustered in and are to start at once for the rio grande where things look like blood betwixt taylor and the greasers 
she leads godfrey to one side and breaks forth suddenly and nervously yet quite bashfully dad i must write to captain hampton before he goes to battle to tell him that i have not forgotten him then pauses astounded at her father's manner for he says to her quite sharply i don't wish you to write to captain hampton your very enthusiasm may put some foolish ideas into his head now that he wears real regular government shoulder straps foolish ideas what do you mean papa well ideas that you may have more than gratitude for him at this estrella's face gets as red as some poppies standing on the table she says indignantly surely my father doesn't think i have been unduly forward with any gentleman certainly not answers godfrey heartily then let me tell you captain hampton's bearing to me when i was alone in his hand on the prairie was the impersonation of respect she draws herself up very haughtily oh i have no doubt of that answers her father the trouble is this rough-riding ranger is too chivalric and too brave it's these very qualities that make him dangerous to romantic girls therefore i judge it best that you do not write to him but father he will think me ungrateful i cannot permit that he is going to to danger i must write understand me strella replies godfrey his tone more severe than it has ever been to her you have offered me a daughter's full duty and obedience that i exact from you i don't wish you to write to captain hampton so her father goes away leaving the young lady with tears in her eyes and rebellion in her heart in the enthusiasm of first meeting it had been easy to offer obedience tis difficult now to fulfil her promise for estrella godfrey had been accustomed to do pretty much her own will with mr martin of new york and had been but slightly chided at school and now it seems hard to her in her young womanhood when her soul is yearning to do a thing to be told thou shalt not she thinks deeply then sighs to herself i i cannot let him go perhaps to death and think me an ingrate the evening of the third day thereafter she astounds her father immediately after dinner she says papa i and hesitates and trembles something she had never done before any man i do not wish to have any secrets from you i think it right to tell you that i wrote to captain hampton three days ago what you mean to tell me after your voluntary promises of a daughter's duty that you have deliberately disobeyed me godfrey says slowly as if he can't believe yes if that's the way you put it i i did disobey you how did you send the letter his face is flushed by a terrible anger that i don't wish to tell you 
it might get some of your servants into trouble it will get some of my servants into trouble and zelma chancing to have come into the dining-room on some of her duties godfrey says sharply to her here wench your mistress wrote a letter tell me what she did with it master i-i don't know stammers the octoroon your face tells me that you're lying to me cries her master savagely for zelma's pretty knees are shaking under her now if you want to save your white skin my nigger lady tell me or i'll take you down to my office and give you the rawhide till you do here miss godfrey stepping between them says indignantly you shall not punish zelma for my fault i took the letter out myself and gave it to pablo what that nigger greaser who drives one of my ox teams to san antonio asks her father his face growing more tranquil yes sir hm gave it to pablo very well i suppose it cannot be helped now he says as if the affair was beyond his grasp then he commands go to your room strella your disobedience has wounded me no i shall not permit you to kiss me for she is pleading even as she goes away forgive me father i felt i must write forgive me perhaps miss godfrey would not be so contrite did she know that ox teams travel exceedingly slowly therefore pablo won't arrive at san antonio until the morrow and that a few minutes after she has told her father one of his under superintendents on horseback is speeding along the san antonio road charged not to spare the horse late that morning estrella waking up gasps suddenly what load is this upon my heart then remembering sighs for the first time i have displeased my dear father rising rather languidly from the bed after a time she thinks a ride will give her better spirits and gives her orders to this effect some few minutes later as she comes down in a riding habit zelma says timidly to her the master miss strella wants you in the dining-room certainly as she goes in bravely yet almost penitently to endure her father's correction little guessing that he has now in his pocket the letter to hampton which he has just opened and read an innocent little note it reads simply dear captain hampton hearing that you leave for the front i would like to say good-bye to you and thank you once more for your care and kindness to me in the long ride over the prairies as your regiment or company must pass not very far from us on its way to the south if it is possible ride over if only for a few minutes and let me say adieu to you for whose safety in battle i shall ever pray yours most gratefully estrella godfrey p s do you recognize the little wild flower one of those you gathered for me on the prairie the rest i shall keep this postscript and this wild flower make godfrey very stern with his daughter as she comes in and looking lovingly yet anxiously into his face pleads father am i forgiven not until i have made you know you must never disobey me oh papa her face flushes as she stands before him her graceful pose in her riding habit 
as drooping as poor psyche's when that unfortunate nymph awaited venus's chastisement for miss godfrey has never been accustomed to childish correction perchance it is the writing habit that puts the idea in her father's head he says sternly for your offence i am going to take away from you the use of mulefoot what his gift his gift makes her father very angry he says determinedly yes you ride no more for the present put your foot over that mare's back and i'll have her shot oh gasps the lovely culprit and she runs out onto the porch and fondling the graceful neck of the black mare cries to the negro boy take her away quick as if she feared her father even now might destroy the ranger's present coming in from this she half sobs that was a cruel threat father that was a cruel threat debarred of horseback exercise miss godfrey during the next few days turns to hampton's other present she takes to practising at a mark with the two revolvers the ranger had given to her then in the course of time remembering his directions becomes quite deadly with these weapons and jeers herself as she makes bull's eyes it wouldn't take three shots now to kill a poor mustang or i don't think i'd miss that comanche the first time i'd pull trigger at him then imitating wild harry she cries wah i'm becoming a frontier girl i am during these days pablo returning from his trip to san antonio is eagerly questioned by his young mistress to her the mestizo says yas i gave de letter to dat ranger cap'n and then miss godfrey's tone is very eager den he took a glass of nuya and says dat's all right and stuck it in him pocket he was drinking with some utter dose ranger fellas santos all dat day is talkin now is bout butcherin de greasers down on de rio grande he said nothing nothing else not a word of mouth your short was captain hampton sartin caspita everybody know dat diablo sharp hampton then miss godfrey goes silently away pablo half mexican half negro but whole slave of her father has done his work very well as the poor wretch had good reason for doing having promise of a silver dollar if he lies straight and fifty lashes at the whipping-post if he blabs about the letter having been taken from him by godfrey's orders but a month passing and no acknowledgment nor visit coming from hampton and the news being brought by teamsters that sam walker's and sharp hampton's companies have left san antonio and gone down in advance of hayes's regiment to join taylor's army the girl's face grows prouder yet paler the ranger's seeming neglect brings her nearer to her father once more she sighs to herself i disobeyed and wounded my dear old dad by perhaps being unduly forward with this man who thinks more of killing greasers than of being polite to me and forgives her dear dad for his severity about mulefoot and goes to making his house very pleasant for him embellishing it with many of the little feminine knick-knacks which have arrived with her trunks and decking herself each evening in pretty gowns to make her father proud of her 
so time runs along until one morning towards the end of may estrella hears a commotion and cheering outside the gates of the big patio coming out she finds quite a little concourse of the hunters and trappers and german immigrants of the estate who are standing about some wagons which have arrived from matagorda their cries that the war has begun and that taylor has defeated the mexicans in two pitched battles chancing to hear the name of sharp hampton mentioned miss godfrey gets hold of a newspaper that has been brought up by one of the teamsters and taking it to her room sits down and reads in the galveston herald an account of that glorious deed of arms which probably prevented the discomfiture of taylor's army it states that the texan rangers under sam walker and sharp hampton arrived by forced marches at point isabella which taylor had made his depot for provisions and supplies though he had located his army twenty-five miles away on the rio grande having built the fortification known as fort brown opposite the mexican town of matamoras that when the rangers had left point isabella to join the american forces they had immediately found themselves confronted by the whole mexican army under arista which had got between taylor and his base of supplies and was now about to crush the slender garrison at point isabella knowing that intelligence of this was vital to the american commander six men had volunteered to make their way by night through the whole mexican army and that but two had got through alive sam walker and sharp hampton this information so desperately born had been the salvation of general taylor who leaving a heavy garrison in fort brown had immediately returned to point isabella and reinforced his base of supplies then he turned upon his foe again and fought his way once more to the rio grande winning the two pitched battles at palo alto and resaca de la palma even the account of the gallant ringgold killed mid his batteries during the first engagement or the charge of may's dragoons at resaca de la palma where they had sabred the mexican gunners and in which she sees young pelham's name honorably mentioned is not in her mind as her eyes grow misty over the last paragraph of the article which states that both these glorious victories had been made possible by the unexampled feat of captain samuel h walker and sharp selby hampton over this she gets to crying and wringing her hands and muttering he only thinks of battle then awed and ashamed of the intensity of her own emotion estrella dries her eyes and comes down to her father the gentleman is sitting on the porch and greets her in happy voice by golly the war's commenced and they'll give us a fortune here consternation seems to come upon her father in his elation for a wild idea entering estrella's mind places a wistful hope in her excited eyes she says hurriedly dad dad answer me one question square as you hope to see your god have you ever intercepted any letters what do you mean girl cries godfrey starting up his face for a moment on fire then growing pallid oh i mean you have never intercepted any letters from from captain hampton to me certainly not 
says her father promptly his features becoming more composed then he breaks forth you you haven't had any correspondence with this man answer me square as you hope to see your god-girl no father nothing but the one letter that i told you of and and which you were perfectly right in forbidding me to send but i am punished for it oh heaven what a humiliation she shudders half hysterically why i i kind of threw myself at his head at least i i gave him a hint i and her beautiful face is so piteous that godfrey knowing what he does should have compunctions of conscience but his daughter's confession only seems to make him alarmed and angry still judging that wounded pride will now make the penitent pliable to his wishes he controls himself and putting his arm possessively about her says i don't wish to mention this hampton matter again understand me you are to have no further communication with this man yes my self-respect should keep me from that breaks out the girl her lips trembling her eyes full of tears and if you have not pride in this yourself mutters godfrey sternly by the lord harry i have pride enough as our father to keep you from it disobey me in this and i shall punish you severely yes dad she cries almost deliriously only forgive me for having disobeyed you she half hysterically throws herself sobbing into her father's arms at her submission a look of tremendous relief ripples godfrey's stern features apparently filled with gratitude at her devotion seating himself he draws the beautiful penitent upon his knee and thanks her for her compliance with his wishes and she filled with joy that the difference between her and her father is now absolutely healed and feeling that he entirely loves her this being the first time he has ever treated her with so much paternal familiarity clinging to him sobs her heart out upon his breast so a couple of days later godfrey thinking his daughter is well in hand makes estrella's pallid features grow very red by saying you needn't mope for gentlemen's company from now on daughter there's more news come by wagon from matagorda my superintendent the boy who is like a son to me will be up this evening to talk to me about our big contracts for cattle to be delivered to taylor's army he's a mighty smart fellow intends to business and is more to my liking than these highfalutin harem scarum ranger chaps who haven't more than a dirty shirt and a six-shooter to their names have a nice supper and your wench rigged out for company in the dining-room get his room fixed up smart and put sheets on his bed spruce up a little yourself and do your politest daughter to this miss godfrey responds tenderly papa don't i always feed you well i'll have your superintendent's room in order and see that everything is as you wish so this evening arrayed in pretty white muslin the girl comes tripping down prepared to make herself pleasant to her father's protege to be struck with consternation dismay and affright as she enters the supper-room a gentleman whose clothes indicate hasty frontier travel but who wears conspicuously a little golden circle rises to greet her strella says her father rather nervously 
let me present to you jasper monkton the superintendent of my plantations whom i have spoken to you about so often my trusted right-hand man and friend at these words bashful trepidation overwhelms her this meeting has been so unexpected so unannounced true the girl has heard the darkies talk of masser monkton and her father has spoken of jasper but has never connected the two names with a slightly amused smile monkton observes yes we met in saratoga some two years ago didn't we miss godfrey then his dark eyes gleam possessively as they inspect the loveliness of the maid her light muslin dress displaying the graces of her figure and her beauty perhaps added to by eyes that are sparkling with a kind of modest terror for now she remembers what this man had said to her when she had rejected him two years ago seeming to read her thoughts jasper laughs slightly from your face i'm sure you recollect you were in costume at the fancy ball at saratoga adding significantly i told you that we'd meet again godfrey making no comment on the man's words estrella is even more impressed being certain that her father must have known all this time of their previous meeting with this ominous thought in her head the young lady has no appetite for supper though both gentlemen chat to her quite merrily and monkton's glances show open admiration of her beauties which had been enticing as a schoolgirl but now in her exquisite young womanhood are enchanting and overpowering the meal being finished at godfrey's request she sings though in half-hearted voice the songs she likes and even at monkton's suggestion makes very bad work of some italian bravura music but after this is over leaving the gentlemen smoking their cigars and drinking their hot whiskey punches together she comes up to her bedroom her face is so perturbed and startled that zelma who is waiting for her gasps what is the matter miss strella is it because he's the chap who made love to you at saratoga that you look so scared to her maid the mistress answers nothing but stepping out onto the veranda of her room presses her hand to her beating heart and falters why should i not fear this insidious man whose hand i spurned in saratoga who told me that sooner or later i should be his that the object of his life would be to gain me what does this mean when here alone far from the world i find him my father's confidant and my father's master she starts shuddering at her own sinister idea but still repeats it mentally that's what was in his eyes master i saw it twice when he glanced towards my father at the table then turned his gaze on me as if i had been brought here for his wooing god help me that's what has happened to me i have been brought here by my father for this man to conquer and make his even now it scarce seems real to her but monkton's voice is heard downstairs calling dominantly in slightly intoxicated tones zelma you wench 
skip quick with a new whisky bottle madam china doll turning her fair eyes over the prairie looking towards the rio grande estrella whispers to the night wind hampton i fear i need you hampton you saved me from indians save me from worse then sighs despairingly oh my god even he's deserted me and misery and terror battle with her love end of chapter 13 recording by john brandon